Welcome to Kings River Life's Mystery Rats Maze podcast, where we share with you mystery short stories and first chapters of mystery novels read by local actors. While Mystery Rats Maze is on hiatus for the month of August, we're republishing an episode from 2021 that originally was a two-parter, but this time we're going to share it as one episode. This episode features the mystery short story, Harvey and the Redhead, written by Deborah H. Goldstein. It's read by local actors Sean Hopper and Ariel Lynn. This story was published in the anthology The Eyes of Texas, Private Eyes from the Panhandle to the Piney Woods, edited by Michael Bracken, and published by Down and Out Books in 2019. Harvey, not exactly the most popular name in Houston right now. The Redhead pointed to the Noir Knight name tag pasted on my brown blazer's lapel. I gave her a second look. She was pretty. Not a cute pretty, but the genuine siren-type beauty that would knock most guys' socks off. Not mine, though. I've sworn off blondes and redheads. Eh, Maybe not, but... The name suits me. She took the bar stool next to me and crossed her legs in my direction. I didn't even try to avert my eyes from her perfectly formed gams. Why bother? My gaze didn't faze her one iota. Either she was used to men staring and drooling, or... She was deliberately provoking me when she inched her skirt up, exposing more thigh. I decided it was both. I bit. Rather than a few hours of escaping Houston flood stuff by taking part in open mic like me, I get the feeling I'm your target tonight. Why don't I buy you a drink? and you tell me why. The laugh that erupted from her cherry red lips when I signaled for the waiter was deep and throaty. What you'd expect from a Dashiell Hammett or Raymond Chandler character, or a dame like this one. I pulled a pack from my pocket and offered her one. She took it. It dangled from her lips until I lit it. Then she let it lightly rest on two fingers as she removed it from her mouth and blew smoke rings over her shoulder. In this era of non-smokers, I doubted that ever deterred her. I guessed she was trying to conjure up my memories of bogey playing off Bacall or Bergman, but her style might simply have been influenced by what we'd heard over the microphone during the last hour. Or maybe she and I belonged back in the golden era of hard-boiled detective stories and noir. I like to think the stories I grew up reading made me become a private eye. Then again, Maybe not. No matter. Considering this was the first night in four 
I wasn't lying awake in a shelter, fretting about how much I lost when my Meyerland place flooded. I had no intention of being in working mode. Uh, scotch, neat for me, I told the waiter. And the lady will have... A vodka martini with two olives. I looked at her more closely. Unlike me, her face was unlined, and rather than needing a tint or Grecian formula, the red was natural. No question. She wanted something from me, or she'd be doing something better with her time. I doubted she even knew the names of the writers or any of the characters whose names were being tossed around during open mic. The waiter brought our drinks. Without a toast to each other, I drank about half of mine and tapped my glass for a refill. Might as well be fortified for the evening. In good time, I'd find out how she knew to find me here. I waited. There's a lot of waiting in my business. Sometimes it's a stakeout to get pictures of a philandering husband or a kid as he finishes servicing an old guy's young wife or mistress. Most of the time, it's a matter of going through dusty records doing internet searches, or using old-fashioned legwork to find someone or something. Occasionally, I'll pretend to be a meter man or delivery guy to get close enough to talk to a neighbor or take a closer peek through a window or a door. This gal didn't give me the feeling any of these things would be what she wanted. You know my name, so why don't you tell me who you are, or should I call you Double Olive? She laughed again while the waiter replaced my empty glass. Olive actually is right. Olive Twist. When I raised an eyebrow, she added, Really? Sure. I don't like to be played. Next thing she'd tell me... She was a cousin to those Hog sisters, or part of that tree family who named its kids Christmas, Pine, and on down the line. She sipped her drink. You've heard of Twist Realty and Development. I sat up straighter and mentally clocked in. There might be a good fee in whatever this was. Yeah... Last year, you discreetly helped my Uncle Jack resolve a problem. He thought you might be able to do the same for me. It depends. I don't take just any case. I twirled my glass around, thinking I should have ordered it on the rocks so I could have made the ice clink a bit. Although I wasn't looking for work tonight... Harvey'd made it necessary for me to find a gig soon. Things were slow before Harvey, 
and who knew what the storm's aftermath was going to be for dicks like me. The three shirts, blazer, and two pairs of slacks I'd salvaged from my old place didn't take up much space in my newly provided FEMA closet. They were going to need some company, especially if anything went to the cleaners. Hopefully, whatever Olive wanted wouldn't take me to the cleaners. I understand, but Uncle Jack, he's my dad's business partner, but not really a relative. Thought this might interest you, especially since you live in Ireland. Eh, that's a bit debatable this week, but I'm listening. I need a painting retrieved. I held up my hands, framing a small picture. She shook her head and spread hers wide. Without seeing it, I had the feeling her painting would dwarf any wall in my old house. If it still had walls. That seems a pretty big painting to misplace. Was it stolen during the storm? No, years ago, but it turned up the day before Harvey. If you know where it is, what do you need me for? To get my painting back, without involving me or my family. I sipped my drink and bent closer to her, my eyes never leaving her face. This time, it was she who waited me out. I was impressed. Silence usually works in my favor, but I'm the one who ended up speaking first. It sounds like this is something better suited for the police than a private detective. She asked for another cigarette. I gave it to her and flicked my bick to light it. Olive inhaled before slowly blowing the smoke back at me. That would be complicated. I never reported it missing. It's hot? Something bought on the black market? Nothing like that. Uncle Jack painted the picture. When my grandfather and he were young, they got into art as a cultural thing. They studied and began buying what's now the Twist Griswold Collection. Uncle Jack also tried his hand at painting. The missing painting hung in his study, but because I liked it, he gave it to me when I was 14. It has sentimental value, but no economic worth. Consciously, I relaxed the furrow of my brow, but couldn't fully erase my frown. I think I'm missing something here. Your Uncle Jack isn't a famous artist whose paintings carry great price tags. Nor is he someone infamous enough for his works to command top dollar, like those of Eisenhower, Churchill, or that ex-president who paints in Dallas. So why avoid the police? Two reasons. First, because my name is Twist. She shoved a copy of the previous day's Houston Chronicle at me. I glanced at its front page while listening to her. The two-line headline read, Artist Daniel Jones Rescues Ten 
dies trying to save his own paintings. The picture showed standing water licking the bottom of a couch. From a dark slash on the wall behind the couch, I could tell the water had significantly receded from its high point. A painting of one of our local parks was centered over the couch, just above the floodline. I skimmed the story. Apparently, Jones, a local artist whose name I even recognized, used a rubber dinghy and electrical cords to bring people from his house and two sets of neighbors to safety from the hurricane's swirling waters. When there was a lull in the storm, he returned home to retrieve his favorite pieces of artwork. But something went wrong. Responders, checking for stranded people, spotted him lying face down in the muck in front of his house. It was unknown if a tree limb or piece of falling debris hit him. He was pronounced dead at the scene of the accident. And two? And two, because the article doesn't mention if the police are investigating this as a suspicious death. If Uncle Jack or I become involved, the police will stop looking for suspects. I pushed the paper back to her, without asking if one of them did it. My finger rested on the painting, hanging over the couch. Is this a Jones original? Or the painting you've been talking about? It's the one I told you about. I want you to get it back and find out who killed Daniel. Whoa, one thing at a time. You said your Uncle Jack painted it. But if you had it, how did it end up hanging in the living room of a prominent artist? She rubbed the stub of her cigarette out in my empty drink glass and glanced out the window. I don't know why Daniel hung that painting there instead of one of his own. Perhaps it reminded him of the best of times, or what it was like before he made it as an artist. I still don't see this as a job needing a private eye. I let my words play in her mind. This time, the moment of silence worked in my favor. Her gaze met mine. I searched her face for some sign of warmth, but the now rigid line of her jaw matched the ice blue of her eyes. Getting the painting back might not need a private eye, but finding out who killed Daniel does. You see, if the police are worth two cents, they're going to think I did. She paused. I didn't give her the satisfaction of showing my reaction, but my brain churned, wondering what exactly she'd left out of her story. Why? Because I'm the black sheep who ran away and married a struggling artist named Jones. It took a lot of heartache and physical pain before I realized my family was right about him. She laughed again, but not in the genuine manner of before. I chased him and his bimbo down our driveway using the bumper of my car to help him increase his speed. Uncle Jack handled the details of smoothing things over, but I'm sure the bimbo 
who was one of the people Daniel saved, remembers me yelling, I'm going to kill you if it's the last thing I do. I'm going to see you dead. But, no pun intended, that seems like it would be water over the dam now. It would be, except Daniel came to see me last week. I leaned back on my stool, holding my hands in the meditative position where the fingertips from each hand touch each other as if in prayer. How did he know where you were? Everyone knows I'm always at work. Since my grandfather died and my father has been involved in the business less, if anyone needs anything at Twist, it's call Olive. She ran a manicured finger tipped in a color that matched her lips and hair around the rim of my empty glass. After my divorce, I joined the family business and became a model employee. What did Daniel want? For me to anonymously underwrite a showing of his work. For old time's sake. Did you agree? Hell no. I told him I wouldn't be blackmailed by a two-timing wimp. I pointed to the door and suggested he be careful, lest it hit him on the way out. And? He made some nasty cracks, but left. I knew he was gone. I locked my office door, put my head on my desk, and had a good cry. I couldn't imagine her face splotchy, crying about him or what he had on you. You're perceptive, Olive said. At the time, I could have made a scene about his behavior during our marriage, but he had me over a barrel. She paused to wave the waiter over for another round. Figuring I'd better get something in my stomach, I grabbed a handful of shelled peanuts from the community bowl sitting on the bar. I've always been good at holding my liquor, but if I wasn't careful, Olive was going to put me to shame. When we married, I thought Daniel was family, so I didn't keep any secrets from him. Unfortunately, or should I say, unwisely, I told him a few things that would have been better left unsaid. But you're going to tell me. Uncle Jack said it would be the only way to gain your interest. I nodded. Apparently, Jack sized me up quickly and accurately during our past dealing. Olive had my complete attention, and maybe my cooperation. About an insurance settlement the old man received after some of his art was stolen but I couldn't recall anything that painted him or the Twist family in a bad light. Far from it. How much do you know about the Meyerland area? Not much. When I moved to Houston last year, I was told it was a desirable location because of lots of ethnic diversity, good schools, and nice green areas. Did your realtor mention flooding from the Braze Bayou? In passing, her spiel stressed Meyerland's community atmosphere and parks. During the past few days, while lying on my cot, I'd pondered suing my realtor for her minimal disclosure that Bray's Bayou, which now has flooded three times in three years, is a swampy waterway 
coursing through the city, carrying runoff to the Gulf of Mexico. When I mentioned it to the FEMA adjuster, he scoffed at my idea. Seems I didn't read the fine print of my house closing documents. I'd splashed my John Hancock across papers specifically divulging I was buying in a designated flood zone that previously flooded. I even initialed both the recommendation and my declination of flood insurance. That put the monkey of not taking out insurance squarely on my back. Olive nodded. Your realtor was right about Meyerland being diverse and a good place to live. It's what persuaded Daniel and me to buy what I thought was going to be our forever home there. She snorted like a hog. I did a double take. It didn't fit my ladylike image of her. Because Meyerland has a reputation as a Jewish hub, but also as being tolerant of all immigrants and faiths. I thought it would be diverse enough for us to create a home that embraced art, friends, and our love. Turned out, like the Braze Bayou, Daniel tended to wander. She was wandering now, so I prodded her back to telling me her grandfather's story. Sorry. As I'm sure you've heard on the news this week, Houston doesn't have zoning codes, so builders neglected to incorporate flood protection provisions. Over the years, Myland flooded, but not wide-scale enough to spur demand in response to the bayou overflowing until 2001. Uh, 2001? Did I miss something between then and 2017? Not really. In 2001, Tropical Storm Allison caused major Myland flooding. Five spec houses my grandfather built and sold to families on a street near the bayou flooded. These people could barely scrape together their down payments. And they certainly didn't have flood insurance. They lost everything. One tried to sue my grandfather, but lost. The destruction was from an act of God, not shoddy workmanship. That outcome makes sense. It did, but my grandfather still felt terrible. He convinced each of those families his ranch-style homes were better buys than those in a subdivision just beyond Meyerland. They trusted him, and in some perverse way, he thought his inattention to the bayou was a breach of that trust. Even though he'd been sued and won, he found a way to raise enough money that through a third party he bought back all five houses at a fair price so those families could start over. And then he built new houses? No. My grandfather believed what goes around comes around. He bulldozed those five houses, made the area into a park, and donated it to the city. The park in the painting? Yes. It was dedicated after his death. Dad and Uncle Jack were running the company by then. Now I understand the sentimental value. But why didn't you report your painting when you originally missed it? She drained her drink and took a moment to swallow the olives. I waved to the waiter to bring us another round. Something didn't feel right, but I couldn't put my finger on it. Olive flashed a smile at the waiter when he put her new drink, complete with two olives, in front of her. She twirled the toothpick, stabbing the olives in the air. If everyone got things right, like this martini, 
think how perfect life would be. She bit the olives from the toothpick and savored them. Because I assumed Daniel had it. You see, when we divorced, I gave him the house and whatever was in it, except for certain personal things, which were to include that painting. Professional movers took my personal items to a storage unit while my mother and I went to Europe for eight months. The painting wasn't moved? Apparently not. I drummed my fingers on the bar. Olive stared at my hand until I stopped, mid-beat. Didn't you realize it was missing when you got back from Europe? No, until the day before Harvey. I never opened the storage unit. She shrugged. By the time we returned from our trip, there wasn't anything in there I needed. Now it was her turn to move into my personal space. I'm not one of those women in the stories you like to read. When I came back to the States, I consciously became an involved citizen and businesswoman living in the present. Daniel was my past. I let out a low whistle. This edgier side of Olive could be fun. And I gather part of what Daniel offered when he showed up at your office was to paint your history for all to see? That's right. Either underwrite his art, or he'd see to it that my family's secrets were displayed in an article interweaving art and events in Ireland. Daniel's threats were veiled, but clear enough for me to understand. After he left, I confirmed my worst suspicions by going to the storage unit. If it hadn't been for Harvey, I would have tried to buy the painting back. By paying blackmail? She pressed her lips together in a tight line before relaxing enough to answer me. A fair price, yes. Blackmail? Never. Murder? Daniel was a skunk, but he was the kind of person who rose above the muck. He used his boat to save people while the storm raged, but he wouldn't have wanted his paintings wet. That's why he waited for a lull to retrieve them. If it wasn't rainy or windy, how could he have been hit by falling or flying debris? She clenched her right hand into a fist and then slowly released it. Someone had to hit him. Positive it wasn't your Uncle Jack, Olive grimaced. Uncle Jack fixes things. At this stage in his life, he doesn't create bigger messes. And you? She reached over and rested her hand on my knee. Harvey, I'm a Texas girl. Murder isn't my style. I started to ask her what her style was, but they called my name to read my hurricane-driven noir poem. By the time I got back to my stool, she was gone. A fresh scotch sat on an unsigned check with enough zeros to make me happy. I had a case to work on, and the promise of some companions for the threads in my closet. In the morning, despite a dull ache in my head, I was at the nearest non-flooded Harris County library when it opened. I figured with so many people lacking power, internet service, or having lost their computers like me, and at least four branch libraries closed indefinitely, computer access would be at a premium. I was right. Although I didn't feel great pushing my way past folks who might have had a rougher time than I did the past few days, I needed to verify what Olive had told me. 
and as much as I could think of that she'd failed to mention. After two hours, I understood her grandfather's reputation as a fair businessman was true, that early on he'd brought his friend Jack Griswold into the business based upon a handshake, and that after her grandfather's death, Griswold and Olive's dad expanded twist into the company it was today. Articles and pictures found through a Google search depicted Olive and her mother as blue-blood types. The kind who did charity work and attended debutante balls when they weren't busy being cheerleaders or marrying the team's football captain. Apparently, because Daniel Jones painted instead of playing football, a minimum of print space was devoted to his marriage to Olive. I flipped through a lot of microfiche. A few articles depicted Daniel's rise as an artist and Olive's steady growth as part of Twist's management team. I didn't find any mention of their divorce or that either had remarried, but in later articles, another redhead, who I presumed was the bimbo, showed up in pictures from all of Daniel's openings. The picture captions made it clear she was his companion or date for the evening. The articles about Griswold were few and far between, but I knew from my one dealing with him that besides business, he loved art. Although I only learned about his painting stint from Olive, I was familiar with his extensive art collection. The job I'd done for him involved a title dispute for three paintings he donated to the local museum. The last article I pulled up was the one Olive had shown me in the bar. I magnified it so I could see the painting's every detail. Viewing it closer, I realized how amateurish the painting was, which made me wonder more why Daniel had hung it where he did. I also realized that while the waterline was below the painting, some of the floodwater had lapped up onto it. There were places near the bottom where paint had flacked off. Deciding my next move needed a visit with a cop friend of mine, I gave Andy a call. We met for lunch at the Greasy Spoon near the station house. When I told the waitress it would be one check, and I'd take it, Andy grunted his thanks. It's not my birthday, so what's worth a free burger? Uh, a little information about a redhead. Shoot. Ever hear of Olive Twist? Who hasn't? She's pretty much the Twist conglomerate now that Jack Griswold has announced his impending retirement. Jack? What about her dad? I bit into my medium-rare cheeseburger. He's around a few days a week, but he's always been a weak sister. 
Shortly before Old Man Twist died, he gave Griswold a large enough piece of the action to make sure the company would survive. With him in there, it thrived. Honestly? Nah, but there wasn't anything we could ever prove. Olive's been his protege. You involved with her? She's easy on the eyes. You gonna eat that pickle? You can have it. I handed him my sour pickle. As for Olive, she's not my type. Her name came up in a conversation about Daniel Jones. That was a rotten loss for Houston. He was just coming into his own in the art world. Any idea who killed him? We already released info about a limb or debris hitting him. You know something we should know? Not a thing. The question raised is what's going to happen to his artwork. I understand there was quite a bit in his home, and I figure he probably had some in his studio. Will the redhead he's been seeing get it? No, he left a will. The art will go to his next of kin. Surviving children? None that we can find. Andy peered over his glasses at me. Everything goes to Olive Twist. From what we've pieced together, he never signed the divorce papers. They're still legally husband and wife. She can get the paintings anytime she wants. They aren't part of our investigation. How does that impact what you're working on? It doesn't. But from what I've seen of her... You'd better inventory each one, and make sure none are damaged. She's a stickler for things being just right. For the rest of lunch, although I listened as he talked about the flooding, rescues, and whatnot, I concentrated on my burger while planning what I wanted to say when I got to Olive's office after lunch. After a little sparring with my client's secretary, she finally let Olive know that I was standing in her outer office and didn't plan to leave until I saw her. When Olive told her to bring me right in, I could tell the gatekeeper was miffed. Too bad. I was too. Harvey, good to see you again. Won't you please sit down? She didn't rise but pointed toward a conversation area with a leather couch and two chairs. I'll stand. I took the check out of my jacket pocket and laid it on her desk. I think you need to sign this now. Without saying anything, she pulled a pen from the marble desk set sitting in the middle of her mahogany desk and signed her name with a flourish. She replaced the pen, handed me the check, and pushed her chair back to where I could clearly see her legs. She crossed them. Once again, 
we engaged in our game of silence. Again, I cracked first. How do you get around signing things as Olive Twist when your married name is Jones? She pulled her skirt down and smoothed a wrinkle in it. I never changed my name, so thankfully that wasn't a legal problem. You see, for all these years, until Daniel came to me, I thought we were divorced. I had no idea he hadn't signed the papers. Most people get copies and put them away in case they need them in the future. Were your papers with the painting you thought was in your storage bin? In a sense, yes, Harvey. I left the country and was gone for eight months. It was a tough time for me emotionally, and while I did a stupid thing, I relied on others to make sure the divorce was taken care of, and my life would be back the way it was when and if I chose to come home. I glanced around the office. There were no personal pictures of family members or pets. The decor was a deeper beige than the walls. I walked to the window and looked out. In the distance, I could see the park Olive said her grandfather had donated. It was beginning to make sense to me. You considered living abroad? Till I realized there was no need for me to stay away. Eight months is a long time. I waited, watching her stare at her hands. She wore no rings. It would have been enough time to begin a new life. But that didn't happen. She looked up at me. I resisted, wiping away the tears slithering down her cheek. A baby was stillborn. So you came home and made a different life for yourself. Yes. Until Daniel threatened to tell people the truth about you, your grandfather, and Jack. I took her silence for an affirmation. You went to Jack and told him what Daniel was threatening. Her head barely moved. But it was enough for me to put the final pieces together. The police know you were never divorced. Daniel left a will leaving you everything. You can retrieve anything you want. But there may be a problem with Jack's painting. The flood peeled off some layers of paint near the bottom of the painting. That's no big deal. Like I told you, with Grandfather gone and Uncle Jack aging, the painting reminds me of them when they were young. Call me sentimental. I pocketed the check. Me too. She didn't reply, but as I walked to her window, I imagined her Texas eyes followed me. You may need to use this view of the park to evoke those memories. By now, the police are checking out the picture underneath where the paint flecked. I'm pretty sure they're going to find Jack painted over the one your grandfather claimed was stolen. I understand, when it wasn't recovered, the insurance company paid off exactly the sum used to buy out the five homeowners. As for Daniel, like you said, Uncle Jack was a fixer. I left to cash my check. Regretting I'd sworn off redheads. 
This reading of Harvey and the Redhead was produced by Kings River Life and directed by Lori Lewis Ham. You can learn more about the author on her website, DebraGoldstein.com. If you'd like to help us be able to continue to bring you more mystery fun, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash kingsriverlife. Even a dollar a month can make a difference, and we could really use your support. Watch for even more great perks coming soon for our patrons. And a big shout out to our new patron, Francelia Belton. Thank you for your support. We also have some cool merchandise available on Redbubble. Check the show notes for the link and for the links to our websites and social media. For more podcast fun, check out Mysteries to Die For. This is a podcast where TG and Jack Wolf combine storytelling with original music to put you in the heart of a mystery. Each story is structured to challenge you to beat the detective to the solution. If you consider mysteries to be an active leisure activity, you'll love Mysteries to Die For. Listen everywhere you get podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and you can find them at tgwolf.com podcast. Subscribe to our podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Subscribe to our podcast newsletter for bonus content. If you enjoy this episode, please rate or review it, as this helps make us easier for others to find. And be sure to tell your friends. Until next time, this is your announcer wishing you a life full of mystery.